budgeting part one and two. So, um, look, I, I got a, a good friend of mine uh, years ago that got sober, and uh, he was he was now he is an alcoholic still. Uh, and uh, he said, "Hey, what now that I'm sober, what do I do with this?" I said, "You help other people get sober." Um, I can't do that. That's a, that's not something I went through, so I can't with really good integrity lead somebody through it. Uh, I, I just can't. Um, I don't have the same authority in that world. <clears throat> On the other hand, though, uh, I was basically an alcoholic when it came to money. Like I, I, I didn't, I couldn't control it. <laughs> it controlled me, and uh, I would lie about it, <laughs> and I would hide it, uh, my bad habits, uh, so that other people wouldn't find out. I mean, it was I had this really bad addiction as it came to uh, my money, and uh, as a result, I was poor. And um, you got to break that. And maybe you, maybe you come from a long line of people who have really bad money habits. Uh, you you can change. It doesn't, the, the family tree doesn't have to continue with you. You can stop it. You can stop it. And uh, we were at uh, New Year's Eve the other night and I made some new friends and it's just kind of talking about the family I grew up in. And we all have crazy families, don't we? Uh, I don't know anybody that's got a normal family. We're all, we're all, we all have dysfunction. Uh, my family put the fun and fun dysfunction though. Uh, we did some good storage, but, but I was telling them and, 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 they, and, you know, I think a lot of us have a choice of, do we continue doing what our family has always done? I, I think of uh, Hank, why do you drink to get drunk? Uh, the family tradition song. I, I think about that. You can, you can continue on those family traditions or you can, you can change. And, and I chose to change how I think about money and how I uh, teach my kids about money. And hopefully that's changing generations from here on out. Uh, hopefully nobody slides back into it, but because I, feel like I kind of wrap my hands around that and have control over that in my life. I feel like I'm obligated to help other people with theirs as well. So <clears throat> what I'm going to talk about today is not budgeting in every area of your life. Uh, I'm going to cover budgeting part one and two. What you're going to learn in part one is basic budgeting for your business. Uh, I challenge you, whether you are hiring other agents or you are solely uh, a personal producer, this is your business. You are an independent contractor. The, the IRS sees you as a sole proprietor uh, unless you've incorporated, in which case they definitely see you as a business. You are uh, in business for yourself. And so uh, I'm going to teach you some basic budgeting for that. And then part two, I'm going to teach you how to properly work yourself out of the field. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I covered the financial independence engine and talked about uh, how to uh, work yourself out of your job or work yourself out of the field. Uh, this this is going to be a little more specific, not so much a game, but really specifically numbers, how you get through that. Okay. So part one, <clears throat> quick tips, quick tips on budget. You need to increase your gross. Uh, if you're fam not familiar with accounting terms, gross is the money you made before you spend anything from that money. So uh, when you had your normal job, this is what you bragged to your friends about that you actually make. You didn't tell them what you actually made after taxes were taken out. <laughs> I make 50,000. No, you don't. You make 35. So like <laughs> we're talking about the money before anything was spent out of it. You got to increase your gross. You got to raise that number up. How do you do that? Well, personal sales, get better at personal sales, get better at making more of them and get better at writing bigger of them. Increasing your premium and increasing the app count is how you increase your sales. Uh, you increase your gross by recruiting agents and getting them started. I have said, I've been on record as saying, I'm guilty of this, your honor, that if you suck at everything in this business, but you want to make a million dollars, be really good at recruiting. I still believe that. You can be terrible at getting agents started and you can make a million dollars in this business if you're great at recruiting, but you'll make it faster 
if you're also able to get those agents started uh, making sales for themselves. So that's how you increase your growth. You're not just recruiting. You're actually trying to get them up and going, get them making money. Another quick tip, manage your lead flow. Don't order more than you need. What I mean by that is you may not have a lead problem. You may have a sales problem. Some people buy like $1,000 worth of leads and they say, well, I, I just need more leads. No, 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 no. You suck on the phone. <laughs> it's okay to be honest with yourself. You're bad at booking appointments. You're bad at, at presenting well in the home. People don't like you. You always have bad breath or broccoli sticking between your teeth. There are things we can fix that don't require you buying more leads. So don't buy more than you need. I'm saying you may have a, may have a sales problem. Don't be a lead junkie. Don't be a lead junkie. If you're here five years from now and you still have to have leads to make a living with us, I feel like I failed you. We talk a lot about referrals. We talk a lot about uh, serving your current clients. Uh, I, I'm not against somebody that's been here 10, 15 years taking leads by any means. But if you have to have them in order to make a living, that's a problem. Uh, I think your first two years, yeah, you're on, you're on top of leads like crazy. Uh, but after two years, you should start being able to wean yourself off of that expense. And as you're building a team, teach lead management to them as well. Teach them how to be wise with their leads, how to buy proper leads, uh, and, and, and not just uh, leads, but help them with their sales problems. Manage new business. Make sure clean apps are going in. You know, don't, don't leave blanks. I mean, we're in a world now where 99.9% .9 of our business is electronic and it's not paper apps anymore. And uh, generally speaking, those applications uh, don't allow us to make mistakes. That's not necessarily true, but they don't allow us to make mistakes. Uh, but clean apps go in. Listen, if you know this person is on death's doorstep, don't submit a fully underwritten term policy on them. It's just not going to get approved. Like be a little wise, do some field underwriting, check with your manager, uh, work your pending and conditionally issued. When you submit business, some people just say, well, I've just turned business in and magically I'm going to get paid. No, that's not how it works. The, the, your business is going to a human being at an insurance company and they are making a decision on that case. So what I recommend is you talking with them, manage that business, get it pushed through. Conditionally issued is when a case gets approved with conditions that need to be met, which means the insurance company has done all they're going to do. They've done all they're going to do and they're not going to pay you until you get that condition met. Maybe it's a form that needs to be signed. Maybe it's a, a, a question that didn't get answered, but that condition has to be met. That number drives me the most crazy. How much conditionally issued business you have, because that's money that the insurance company is waiting to pay you. You just have to go get it. Don't spend money too quickly. I'm a big believer in delayed gratification. I drive everybody around me crazy about this. Uh, I have for a long time because I, <sighs> I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and we were both in the same boat that we used to be super poor and, and now we're not. And um, I just don't want to go back. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to go back. I mean, being poor is really hard. And uh, there's a whole nother set of problems when you're making money, like you got to pay taxes and you got to be smart with it. And everybody and their mother that has any kind of charity or 501c3 is going to be asking for money. And so you got to learn to, how to say no and, and, and how to say yes and be smart with all that. But, but given, given the, my choice, I'd rather just have the money and work out those problems. I don't, that's why I, I still don't spend money too quickly. We could live in a bigger house than we live in. I could drive nicer cars than I drive. All that sort of, I could have more properties than I have, all that sort of stuff. But still to this day, I still live with delayed gratification uh, because 
I don't want to go back. And maybe that means I'm not taking as much risk as I could. But when you're just getting started in this business and you're making your first commission check, that is not the time to go get a new lease on a Mercedes. Delay that gratification. I did not buy my first Rolex until we were doing a million dollars a month in premium. That's when I bought my first Rolex. Could I have bought it way sooner? <laughs> yeah, but I didn't. I set a goal and I worked hard to achieve it. Never hurts to save money. A mentor of mine told me that 20 plus years ago. He's now an integrity partner, still talks to me about this. Never hurts to save money. It's never wrong to save money. There may be something better you could do, but it's never bad to save money. Work hard and smart. When we hired Joanne full-time, we were running 200,000 plus a month in premium when we hired our first staff member. Um, now, when I say work hard and smart, we were working hard. We hired her. We did not stop working hard when we hired her. I've seen so many people hire staff and they quit working. <sighs> did you just hire a replacement for you that's not as good as you? That's a really dumb business decision. <laughs> You know, like what you're looking to do is hire support that can help you run faster. So if I have 24 hours in a day and I hire staff, now I have 48 hours in a day. Or if I have 24 hours in a day because I'm the business owner and I hire staff that works eight hours, I need three of them. And now I have two of me. Y'all following that math? Work hard and smart. So here's my early playbook when it came to budgeting. I know I'm going through this fast, but it's being recorded. You can watch it later. Uh, maybe you're watching this video now. Just back up if you've got a question. Uh, so my early playbook. This is how I ran my budget early on. I took my gross income. Let's say for this week, you got paid $1,000 in commissions. That's your gross income. Now, how are you going to divvy that up? What I did first was pay my lead bill. Paid my lead bill. I, I saw that as a necessary expense. As I was getting going, If I, I just, I, nobody showed me other options. Leads were the only option. And, and I just, I knew if I didn't pay my lead bill, I couldn't buy leads again. <laughs> so I, I needed to pay my lead bill so I could stay in business. So that thousand dollars, first thing comes off the top, right off the top is that $300 lead bill. And I'll show you the math on this, why I said 300 in just a minute, but let's just say it's 300. I'm keeping the math easy. That leaves me $700. Next thing I did early playbook, I tithed 10%. So now um, this, this gets people go, oh, you're getting all religious. No, no, no. Tithe means 10%. Um, <laughs> it's a widely held belief. Uh, I just, what I've learned is this, that if you want cash flow, you can't build a dam. If you want cash flow, you can't build a dam. You, you need the flow to keep going. You need it to keep going. And one thing that Heather and I have learned in our life is, when we get paid, we give, we give, we give, we give, we give, we give. We don't even talk about how much money we give to charity. We give a lot of money to charity. Why? Because I just a big believer that I've been given something and, and I need to help others who need it. And so we do that. Now I do tithe to my church. I give above and beyond that to other charities. You don't have to give to your church. I don't want to go to church fits. Okay. Don't go to church. The American uh, Heart Association could use money for research. The Cancer Society could use money for research. You give it where you want, but we would tithe on that 700. So now the super hyper-religious come in and go, you didn't tithe on your gross. I believe in tithing on your gross. Listen, man, you run your budget, I run my budget. This was between me and my God. You do what you want to, you and your God, okay? Don't, don't get all hyper-religious on me because I will abuse you with that, okay? So <laughs> it's my personal belief that the $300 I had to do is stay in business. $700 is what my real money was. So I tithed on that. 
by the way, now that I'm salaried by Integrity Marketing, I tithe on my gross before my uh, taxes are taken out of my salary paycheck. So I'm just so you know where I'm at. I believe on, on giving the bigger money. And then I save 10%. Be clear, I'm not talking about saving 10% for sake of saving. All of my credit cards were maxed at $80,000. Uh, most of the credit cards <laughs> had canceled me and would not let me charge more. Uh, the others were maxed and um, couldn't charge more. And I had a friend say, well, instead of saving money, because I just knew I needed a, a cushion. And he said, instead of uh, building that cushion, why don't you just throw that money towards a credit card? I said, because I still can't use the credit card. <laughs> He's like, but if you need the money again, you can use a credit card since you put money towards it. No, no, no. I had 28% interest. I'd pay minimum payments. And then my, uh, my balance would go up <laughs> without charging more. I, it didn't work for me. I had to put a little money aside because... You're in business, people. Wake up. Stuff happens. Almost said the other word. Stuff happens. And when it does, you, either you're still in business or you're not. Uh, Walmart every year has theft. Did you know that? People, mostly it's from their own employees, steal from Walmart. If you were to build a company out of the goods that were stolen from Walmart, it'd be a Fortune 500 company. <laughs> it's crazy. But somehow Walmart stays in business. It's because they planned for it. They know it's going to happen, so they prepare. Stuff happens in business. The, in, in accounting, they talk about profit and loss. That's what you make and what you spent. And yes, that loss part is there. It's not just profit, 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 profit. You do have expenses. And sometimes those expenses are more than you expected. Anybody own a house? Suddenly your air conditioning goes out or heat goes out? Yeah, unexpected expense. So the rest is what I built my business with following this math. That's $560. It's not a lot of money fits. I agree. But what I could do with that, I did. Right. And then I focused on increasing my gross income, which we talked about a little bit ago. Okay. Eventually that budget morphed into this, which is a little more complex. I'm just going to say it right now. I didn't say it earlier, but I've had people after this say, well, I disagree with how you did your budget. Okay. <laughs> that is absolutely your right. You can disagree with history all you want, but it still freaking happened. <laughs> there, there were, I read one, a story one time about Holocaust deniers, people who denied that the Holocaust happened during World War II. I'm like, oh my gosh, people will argue anything. Um, <laughs> it is history. It really happened. Okay. This is what I did. Uh, whether it was perfect or not, I don't know, but it worked. So I'm a big believer in teaching what I did that worked. I don't like teaching what I did that didn't work. Uh, so this is what worked. Okay, division of gross. Essentially, you take your gross income, that $1,000, right? And a third of it is going to go towards leads, which is why on the previous slide, I showed you spent 300 bucks of the 1000 towards your lead bill, okay? A third goes to leads, a third goes to other overhead, and a third goes to profit. It means you get to keep it. So that 560 I showed on a previous slide, uh, there's that's going to be split between other overhead and profit. Makes sense. So um, the good I've had people say, you're telling me that a business only profits a third of their gross income? I'm like, dude, go to Apple and talk to them about grossing a, a net, netting a third of their, or go to Exxon Mobil and talk to them about netting a third. Go to Integrity Marketing and talk to them about netting a third of their revenues. Like that most, most companies are pretty fired up about a third. But the cool thing is you're in business for yourself. 
So if you want the profit to be 95% because you're taking the kids to Disney World this week, okay. But if you want your profit to be 5% because you want to reinvest back in your business heavy and build it aggressively, you can do that too. This is just an example. There were months that my profit definitely wasn't a third. It was, it was, it was higher in some months. It was lower. It just, it, it, it's, 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 it fluctuates. Okay. So let's kind of break it down a little bit. Leads, pursue all lead types. Don't be a lead snob is what I'm saying. I don't like the web leads. I don't like the mail-in leads. I don't like the final expense leads. I don't like mortgage protection leads. I don't like the life insurance leads. I don't like, oh my God. I tell you what I don't like. I don't like being broke, man. Like, look, I'm just telling, I'm not being mean. My mom used to always say, beggars can't be choosers. Don't curse the darkness, light a candle. These are all sayings my mom said to me a thousand times. And I'm saying, I didn't care. If there's, I used to do door-to-door sales. So leads were somebody who actually asked for me to knock on their door. Hello. Like, I didn't care what they were asking for. I didn't care how old the lead was. I didn't care if it was expensive or whether it was cheap. I just pursued all leads. And eventually I found the ones I liked. I kind of hung out on that, but I'm not going to be a lead snob. I'm going to be a snob about not being broke. Keep your lead bill manageable. Teach your agents referrals. Okay, the lead system is there to supplement the agent's activity. Our opportunity here is not leads. Our opportunity here is to build a business of your own, whether it's a sales business or whether it's a multiplication business. It's that's the opportunity. Leads are not the opportunity. I never recruit towards leads being an opportunity. Um, they're there to supplement the activity. A lot of our agents will do uh, consumer or uh, community events. Uh, they'll work their phone and start start talking. They don't they don't use leads getting started, but the leads are a supplement. Uh, be quick to see problem agents and stick to your guns. What I mean by that is be quick to see. I'm not, I'm not in the business of helping my agents get broke. I'm in the business of helping my agents make money. And so if I see an agent that's buying lots of leads and not making any sales, I'm going to pause for a second and coach them, help them, improve them so that they're getting a better return on their investment and not going broke. Okay. When I say teach your agents referrals, teach yourself referrals too. set the example first and foremost. Other overhead. <clears throat> There's a lot of things that fall into this category eventually, but initially you have like a cell phone and gas. <laughs> like that, that's your other overhead in this category. Uh, but uh, let's, we can break it down more. Eventually, you know, you're investing in yourself. Uh, somebody said that yesterday. I always, I always bet on you. Invest in yourself. You got to do that by going to conferences. You know, we got one coming up this weekend, January 6th. Uh, there, I just time stamped this uh, this presentation, but um, January we got a, that's a free one. That's that's a no brainer. Invest in free training. Oh my gosh! Uh, but then there's national conventions. There's there's books you can buy there that we refer to. There's audio. There's there's different membership clubs you can be a part of. Uh, there's there's a lot of opportunity to invest as you start running your budget. Training expenses, investing in improving you, needs to be budgeted which means you spend that money every year and next year, try to increase that money and spend that money every year on getting better. This is not specific to our business. I talked to lots of uh, business owners in different industries and they absolutely 100% are intentional about dedicating money every year to their own improvement. Your company is only going to be as good as you are. You are the lid on your business if you're not constantly improving yourself, you are going to hold your business down. 
which is not fair to the people who came on board trusting you for an opportunity. Recruiting ads. I don't want to recruit fits. Well, then this isn't an expense in your other overhead. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in recruiting ads. We spend money every month right now on ZipRecruiter. Uh, we got that deal through President's Club. We pay 100 bucks a month for President's Club, and the ZipRecruiter ads are 75 bucks a piece. I'm currently running six of them. I like it. Uh, it's uh, we've spent before. We've done like 5,000 a month on Facebook ads. We've we've spent money on Craigslist. I'm not a recruiting snob. If it's working, I'm for it. But really, I'm all about that. Is about finding the people that are going to work with me directly, but from them, I'm going to find out who they know. And that's where we're really going to get profitable because that's the other 50% of our agents are referrals. 50% of our agents came from an ad and 50% of our agents come from somebody that was already with us. So I'm going to do both of those things. Office space. Maybe you don't need office space. In this day and age, it's really easy to work in a Panera bread in the back corner somewhere. Or, you know, Heather and I have this new restaurant we're a fan of here in town. And every time I go in there, there's somebody in a corner with a laptop working. Uh, it's, it's, it's maybe you don't need an office space. Certainly check before you're signing a lease. Uh, I believe in your first office space anyway, you don't sign a lease longer than a year. Uh, it's just uh, because your business is going to look different in a year and it may be bigger, maybe smaller. Uh, I just signed a five-year lease on this space, but integrity is paying that bill. So <laughs> it's, I, I'm not a big fan of five-year leases unless they're giving me a heck of a deal. But there's check with upline before you get an office space. You may not need it. Staff. I'm a, I think staff is probably one of the first things you're going to invest in or should. But, but are you investing because you're lazy? Are you investing in staff because you're lazy? Um, that's the real question for me. I, I'm a big believer in working and ha- hiring support that's going to in, improve your efforts and increase your efforts. I'm, I'm not looking to, if my effort is 10, I don't want to hire somebody on staff and our total collective effort is still 10. What does 10 mean? It's just a, a, a random number. I would like to be at a 10 and hire somebody. And now our collective effort is like 13 or 14 or 15. So that overall we're getting more done. Uh, and when possible, pay based on performance. You're initially, your initial staff, you definitely want to pay based on performance because you, you're running on a shoestring budget. You can't afford to pay people for not getting stuff done, <laughs> right? You gotta, they got to get stuff done. And I'm a big believer in that. Part two, I'll be quick about this. Getting out of the field. How to work yourself out of the field. All right. First thing you're going to do is add up all of your expenses, both personal and business. Anything from your house payment to your lead bill. Anything and everything. It, it, it could be $5,000. It could be $20,000. Whatever the total is, it is. Obviously, the lower the total, the quicker you can get out of that situation. You have to make sure this chunk is covered every month. So at first, it must be taken care of with personal production. You're covering all of that with your personal production. Now, it, as your overrides start to increase, your personal production needs reduce. Now, maybe you're working a job instead of doing personal production, and you're building the overrides on the side, and this is slowly but surely replacing your job income. You can do that too, but typically this is done with personal production and overrides. In this example, you've got 20% of your um, 20% of your of your total need is being covered by overrides. That means you're able to reduce the amount of time you're spending in, in personal production, giving you more time. At this point, you're almost out, but not quite. And this is where most builders are making mistakes. So you're seeing here, this is roughly 70%. 70% in this example, 70% of your, of your 
gross expenses is covered with overrides. And that seems good. You're making good money. And it's like, you're working less. It's like, awesome. And a lot of people at this point, a lot of builders make a mistake because they, they quit. Um, they, 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 they back out, they, they back out of personal production. And then they're like, Hey, why am I going in a hole? They can't figure it out. Why am I going backwards? Because there's still 30% of your income. You're not covering. <laughs> if you back out of personal production too soon, you're screwed. That's the mentor 20 years ago said, you can get out of the field uh, out of personal production when you're making $10,000 a month in overrides. I said, well, what if my expenses are 15,000? I'm going backwards in a hole, 5,000 a month. That's not good. That's why you got to track this and pay attention to it. Now, this example, you're now 100% of your expenses are covered with overrides. That's the dream. That's the dream. If you're building, that's what you're building for. At this point, keep personally producing for another three months and you're out for good. The question is, how much do I personally produce for that three months? As much as you want. How much did you want to have in the bank as cushion? Uh, I would, I would you know, try to run $10,000, $20,000 a month during that three months, and then you're out for good. You don't ever have to go back. I hope that helps. My contact information, as always, if you need to reach me, I am here to help you. Can I help you? I sure would like to. If you're an agent with us, please go to timewithfits.com. That's T-I-M-E-W-I-T-H-F-I-T-Z.com to schedule a time when I can help you directly. Just pick a topic and pick a time and we'll meet. If you're not an agent with The Fitz Group, I encourage you to go to thefitzgroup.org slash contact. Again, thefitzgroup.org slash contact and send us a message. See you soon.